Join me, Sean Hall, for the Scuttlebutt Podcast, a program about understanding military culture from a civilian perspective, every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern and Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern on Reads Across America Radio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'm your host, Sean Hall, Director of Programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club. We're a nonprofit in Western PA whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal, and inspire. You can check out everything that has to do with the Veterans Breakfast Club on our website, www.veteransbreakfastclub.org. Org. Uh, we have a great episode of the Scuttlebutt here for you today. It's been a long time coming. We were very interested in veteran-owned businesses. Well, we were able to connect uh, with fellow Pennsylvanian Jeremy Mock. Jeremy is a Marine Corps veteran and current Navy reservist who opened up Glass City Cafe in his hometown of Jeanette, PA. He was there. He said, I feel like the downtown Jeanette area, it's a small town, needs to be revitalized. Uh, he got a small uh, shop and turned it into Glass City Cafe. You could check them out at glasscitycafe.com. Uh, he has a great story about his service, what he learned uh, through the Marine Corps, what he's still learning in the Navy Reserves that, that sort of helps him be a leader uh, and a business owner. He uses that Glass City Cafe to connect with other veteran-owned businesses to bring in his merchandise and his products. Uh, it's it's a really good feel-good story here today on the Scuttlebutt, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. And if you're listening for the first time on Reads Across America Radio, uh, please check us out on YouTube. Just go to there, type in the Scuttlebutt. You should be able to find all of our previous episodes. Uh, so happy to have you join us uh, as an audience. And you can always send me an email, Sean, S-H-A-U-N at veteransbreakfastclub.org. I'm always interested to hear from, from the audience about thoughts or comments, questions, uh, or ideas for future Scuttlebutt episodes. If you have a piece of military culture or military history that you'd love to see featured here with a veteran, I'm happy to do that. That'd be really exciting for me. Um, so thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining the Scuttlebutt. I'm really excited by uh, having you on and to have a conversation with you about everything you have going on here in Jeanette, PA, which is just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Pittsburgh here. Um, but uh, it's a pleasure. If you, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. So it's Jeremy Mock, um, former Marine veteran, uh, current Navy Supply Corps officer. Uh, as you alluded to, we recently opened up a coffee shop in Jeanette, um, obviously veteran owned. And our, our mission with the coffee shop is to support other veteran owned businesses. So our, our supply chain right now, we have a coffee company that supplies uh, all the coffee for us. It's a veteran owned company out of Pennsylvania. And then also a tea company uh, that is an Air Force veteran. And we use a, a cookie veteran out of uh, the Periopolis area as well to Operation Cookie uh, to supply all our goods and services for the, the, the coffee shop. That's great. So let me dive into a bit of your history of service before we get to Glass City Cafe. That's correct. Glass City Cafe. Awesome. Uh, for our listeners, we'll have uh, some some links. We'll get to all that in a little bit, but let's dive into the Marine Corps a touch. Uh, when did you enlist? Uh, so back in 99, May of 1999, I went to boot camp at Paris Island, uh, and I spent most of my career in the reserve side out of Johnstown, Pennsylvania, uh, with MWSS out there, and then uh, you know, spent some time uh, active duty uh, after being recalled as a reservist, and then got out for a short period of time uh, from the Marines and moved over to a commission in the Navy. Nice. So when did, when did you make that, that switch? Uh, in 2011. So I did 99 to 07 in the Marine Corps, and then uh, took a four-year hiatus and then uh, got the commission in 2011 with the Navy and I'm still actually a uh, reserve officer as well. And the, was that 12 years later now, 2023, you're still, still on the reserves. Um, and why did you decide to enlist? 
<clears throat> um, I guess just uh, duty of service. So my family had all been veterans in, in mm. different branches of the military and you know, wanted to, to continue the, their tradition, if you will. Who, who else served and where, where, when and where did they serve? Um, so I've got a brother and sister that both did the Navy. Uh, my father was in the Army, uh, a lot of Army. We didn't have any Marines in the family, so I thought it was time to, to join the Marines and, and get one on the list. What did they think of that? Uh, a little bit of pushback at first, um, yeah. but yeah, I think once you went through the, the boot camp process and, and came back and you know, once I think everyone came down to Paris Island and saw the graduation ceremony, um, you know, it was a moment of pride for everyone in the family. What did you think of the Marines when you joined? Is it something you, I mean, coming from a military family, you kind of had that, you know, background, um, but was it a culture shock in a way? Um, I think any branch of the military is a culture shock in the civilian <laughs> world, uh, especially the, the Marine Corps, um, you know, one of the, the hardest basic trainings out there. And, um, you know, just the, the pride and camaraderie in the Marine Corps, I think, is un, unparalleled uh, against the other military branches. So it was definitely, uh, definitely an experience and, and a culture shock coming in. I remember I first left boot camp, um, walked out of the gates of Paris Island. We stopped at like McDonald's as the first place just because I hadn't had it for a while. And it was just kind of... Uh, you know, taken back, it was just how much you change within that three month period of mm -hmm. being down there. You have a whole new perspective on people and things, and it's, it, it really is a, is a life changing experience. Uh, I always ask a Marine this because it's sometimes true, but with Marines, it always seems like it's true. Did you have a nickname during boot camp? Um, I think we all had nicknames during boot camp. Uh, mine's pretty simple, Mock. Um, it pretty stuck. Stuck pretty simple. You get the mm -hmm. the, the different uh, you know, mockingbird, Machiavelli, things along those lines, but all yeah. pretty much just just mock. You mentioned how much it changes you in those three months. Uh, what would you say is the biggest change that happened with you? Um, I think me personally, just new perspective on things. I think you know going through boot camp and the experience really kind of pushes your limits, and, and you know kind of pushing beyond what you think you can accomplish. Um, and that was the biggest thing on my side, um, you know, coming from a small town, um, you know, just being able to challenge yourself and know that, you know, you can get through things, whether it's physical or mental, uh, just that that toughness staying still in your boot camp, I think is, uh, is definitely a, a plus for the Marine Corps. Now all services do, but I think the Marines do, do it the best. Mm -hmm. I'm partial to them, but. <laughs> uh, so obviously you joined in 99. Uh, you know, 9-11 happens uh, 2001. Um, take us through how things shifted for you at that point. Yeah, no, I was in college at the time. Um, I was actually working a part-time job while in college. And I remember getting the phone call as I was standing in my, my job saying, pack your sea bag um, after the, uh, the towers were struck. So it was, uh, you know, reality check um, in many ways. So, you know, really just kind of you know, rethought about everything. You're in college, you know, hopefully finishing out, but I still have to graduate college at that time. And, um, you know, just, you know, the reality set, you know, it's time, my country needs me. So, you know, we packed everything up, got ready to go, and then uh, waited, 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 and then uh, finally got the call and ended up uh, mobilizing down to New River Air Station at Camp Lejeune. Um, so I didn't see any overseas time, uh, but you know, did support uh, the backup for the MWSS 272, which deployed over to Iraq. So we were kind of filling in for them here on the state side. It, 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 correct me if I'm wrong. So when you enlisted 99, you were reserves then? Correct. Yep. I, I've always been interested in this because, you know, it, I, I always tell my audience I'm a civilian, I, you know, I'm not a veteran. So, so I sometimes get to ask really dumb questions of veterans uh, because, it's, <laughs> it, you know, a lot of people may not understand, like there's a difference between National Guard and reserve and active duty. And, you know, it, as a reserve, um, especially during peacetime, what is your responsibility and how, 
how does it feel like you're living two sort of separate lives in a way, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, especially during college, uh, it was it was unique experience because you got everyone going out on the weekends uh, to the bars and, and whatnot, and then you know I'm packing up and getting a haircut and heading over to my reserve weekend to kind of train. You know, the basically the main mission of the reserves is to always ready, be prepared for whenever the nation calls you up. So that was kind of what we did. We would just train. We had our two weeks in the summer or, or you know, throughout the year and then the weekend trainings where we would kind of go through and just you know, learn what we need to learn if we we're ever deployed or activated. So I think when I got that phone call, it really set in because a lot of times when you're in the reserves, especially during college, you're not you know thinking about you know, what you're doing and the training that you're going through and what you're learning and you know, why you're learning it. Uh, but when you get that phone call, it all kind of brings a, a sense of clarity. And you had to be anticipating that phone call after the towers were struck. That That's you know, did you see, did you see that happen? You're like, all right, it's go time. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, didn't realize it would be as fast um, mm -hmm. as, as a lot of people say, the military's hurry up and wait, but you know, the, the tower struck and within hours I had a phone calls, you know, just the, the, the phone tree, you know, get yourself ready to get packed, get ready to go. We don't know what's going on, but you know, this mm -hmm. is a major event in the world. So be, be ready for it. So, and that, that's the main difference with reserves is you're kind of on, on standby for you know, when they need you and where they need you. How did it feel being uh, being down there and and sort of being uh, you know support for uh, remind me what was the the unit or um, yeah so it was MWSS two seventy two Marine Wing Support Squadron uh, out of New River Air Station so it which was, is um... very German to me or, or not German but <laughs> it's a different language to me Could you, it like that's just the the military fancy talk for what the unit is right. Correct. So we're basically uh, the, the the truck unit. So we did you know, ah, five okay. guns. We supported uh, the Marine Wing, so all the Rotary Wing uh, assets at the base. Um, it, it was eye opening. You know, coming from being living in college, um, you know, obviously gone through boot camp, knew kind of what to expect being active duty military, but it's still an eye opener because um, mm -hmm. you're going from that you know, more relaxed civilian state and then you know, right into it to the uh, the active duty side. So it's definitely an acclimation period, getting used to it. Um, and with everything going on at that time, you know, we were working you know, seven, seven days a week, 12 plus hours a day, you know, just prepping, getting everything ready, helping those guys mobilize and then really learn our job as we were down there, you know, on the reserve side, you do it one week in a month, so you're in, in no means an expert. So you've got a lot of uh, skills to learn and you know, honestly, just getting used to the acronyms again and um, <laughs> the, the change of pace from, uh, from civilian life to military and happened in a blink of an eye. And you stayed in until 2007. Uh, you, you, how long during that time from like, you know, 9-11 on were you actually active or did you go back to reserve status? Yeah, so it was always in reserve status. Uh, we did oh, okay. get activated. Um, the exact dates, I'm not 100% sure of, 01, 02 timeframe through like 03. So I spent about mm. a year and a half on active duty down in New River. Um, you know, did some, some assignments from there, did some TDY duties over to uh, Yuma, Arizona. Uh, spent some time out there as well. Um, but yeah, mostly all reserves with the active duty recall. And what would you say, what would you say is probably the thing that you learned the most? I mean, coming out of boot camp, that's a different, like you said, you changed a lot in that three months, but after doing some active duty and, and, you know, being in support roles, things like that, how did that sort of help to change you and set you up for what you're doing now? Um, so I think a lot of it was was confidence, um, you know, being from a small town and, and not really leaving that small town, um, you know, being sent, you know, not overseas, but just to another location, you know, with a lot of other folks from different cultures, different backgrounds, 
I think it really helps you expand your your own personal growth and you know really look at things a little bit differently and you know, taking in all these different cultures and and backgrounds help you create a better picture and, and you know see clear what's going on in the world versus your your small area that you you grew up and never left. Uh, and why did you decide to get out in 07? <clears throat> um, I was just getting older, tired, working. Um, uh, had a full-time job at the time. Uh, and just, you know, really wanted to focus on my career, uh, you know, starting family uh, and going down that avenue. So, you know, the, the reserves were great, but it's, it's, it's a commitment as well, too, with the, the one weekend, two weeks. And, um, you know, I actually get a little older, too. Uh, you start breaking down a little bit and the, uh, the Marine Corps is uh, tough on you and you're sleeping out in uh, sub-zero weather uh, on the weekend and you had to come back in on a Monday and go to work. It makes it a little bit challenging sometimes. Yeah, just a touch. Yeah. Uh, so you're out for about four years. Uh, you go back in Navy, uh, any reason and, and what was calling you back to it? Yeah. So I, I missed the camaraderie, um, you know, being in, even the reserves, you really build a bond with the folks that you, you, you drill with and you work with on a, a basis. And, you know, that relationship is just, you know, something you can't replicate in the civilian world. You know, I've been at multiple companies and you just don't ever really have that bond that you have with someone in the military. Um, and I kind of missed that. So after four years of hiatus, like I said, uh, you know, I was working in a, a job where I was doing some more government work, uh, working with some contracting officers. And one of the officers had mentioned the, the Navy Supply Corps to me, and I had no idea anything existed like that or, you know, direct officer program. So I started researching it, talked to a recruiter, um, and it was kind of what I wanted to, to do. I just felt the need to, to get back in and support where I can. Uh, I didn't necessarily want to support, uh, you know, on the ground level, but, you know, is there something I can do with a business degree to, to continue supporting the country? And the Navy Supply Corps came in place, and you know, here I am today. Excellent. So, yeah, let's let's dive into to where you are today. Uh, you know, your Navy Reserves, um, but, you know, what brought you to become a, a veteran biz, business owner? What made you want to, you know, help support veteran-owned businesses? Uh, sort of be, being a, a veteran entrepreneur, how do, how do you develop that, that sort of acumen? Yeah, so me, the, the passion really started um, working with the Department of Veterans Affairs. So uh, my a company, EGA Associates, uh, we provide staffing services for the VA hospitals. Uh, and when I was working, before I started EGA, working with another commercial healthcare system out there or hospital or healthcare staffing firm out there, um, really noticed that a lot of companies didn't want to work with the government, specifically the VA, because of their processes, because of all the paperwork, all the red tape, all the complications. Um, and to me, I saw that as an opportunity to you know, not only you know, fill a, a gap that was out there in the industry, but also be able to support the, the veteran community and you know, help deliver services where they need. I'm not a physician, not a nurse. I can't do hands-on care, but if I can help fill those critical gaps uh, by my knowledge uh, from recruiting, um, you know, it, it was just something that I, I felt like I needed to do. And then with the, the coffee shop, you know, seeing the opportunity there, in the community, which had seen better days, you know, growing up in the town, uh, I remember it, you know, bustling, always going down and, you know, hanging out in downtown Jeanette. And then, uh, you know, coming back, you know, years later uh, and seeing, you know, storefronts closed up and boarded and, and it just, it was depressing. So, you know, really saw an opportunity down there. Uh, a business that we had you know, known for years and frequented um, was on the market. So it was able to, to kind of pull things together and work with my sister to, to kind of get the property and then open the coffee shop. So it took us about a year to do the renewal, uh, remodelation, re renovations, and then um, you know, we finally opened up here in uh, in March of this year. So it's still new to us here, but it's uh, it's exciting to get back. And 
you know, the reason I, I went with veteran-owned companies, I, I've been part of a few um, entrepreneur startup programs like Bunker Labs and, you know, some other, uh, you know, veteran-centric entrepreneur programs. And I think they do a really great job educating folks. I think where the, the gap is, is actually having the ability to support veteran-owned companies. I think that's the biggest challenge to any veteran who wants to start a company and get into the industry is, you know, getting that first opportunity. It, it's, a, it's a fight until you win that first contract, you get that first deal, um, you know, whatever it is, it, it's a challenge. And, you know, if we can have a platform where we can help veterans get them started, you know, provide some guidance and, you know, benefit from it. I think it just helps the community as a whole. Is there something about being a, a veteran uh, of the military that uh, specifically sets you up for success in owning a business? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things that go into detail on for that one, but I think the main one that drives me is just the, 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 I don't want to say the grit, I guess, that they, they train you in the military to get through things and you're able to, to you know, handle some of the, the head trash that comes with owning a business. Oh, wait, um, no, wait, head trash. That's the first time I've heard that term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just, you know, the, the, why am I doing this? You know, mm. you're, you're struggling as you're starting a company, you know, uh, there's a lot of uphill battles that you've got to fight. And, you know, to get through those battles, you just have to have the, the grit to be able to do it and know that, you know, the reason that you're doing for it is what's driving you. Um, you know, it's not not always about revenue and about profits. You know, it's about doing the right thing, uh, especially, you know, with our mission, supporting the veteran community with the VA uh, and in Jeanette. It, it makes me get up in the morning and, and want to keep doing better and keep pushing forward. You mentioned something about support, in support of veteran-owned businesses. And so many times I've heard that sort of spoken by veterans like i want to do something with my business that supports veterans owned businesses do you feel that there is a sort of a a lack of support for veteran owned businesses and that uh, you know it's veterans like you that are sort of filling that niche no i don't think there's there's a lack i think there's a lot of organizations mm -hmm. out there that that do it um you know my one of the goals of you know, working with other veteran companies is that the instant bond instant camaraderie you have mm -hmm. with someone because you've all right. been through the same thing Right. And, you know, if they're a veteran business owner, you know, they're going to be there. They're going to respond to you. Um, not that the commercial companies won't, but you just know there's an additional level of commitment to, to the business partner. Opening up your, your cafe in Jeanette and, and people can go to, what is it, glasscitycafe.com? Correct. Yes, glasscitycafe.com. Opening it up in Jeanette and you saw that sort of need um, from, you know, from your childhood to now and just sort of helping to revitalize that area. Um, we've talked a lot on the scuttlebutt with def you know, different veterans and how much pride they have in their hometown and that it is, it is so important for veterans to, to bring that sense of service to the country back to their hometowns to help in revitalization efforts, in leading you know, community. Um, is, that, is that some, I'm, I'm guessing that is a bit of a passion for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, my family still lives there. I still go there and visit often. Um, and like I said, it, it was, you know, kind of depressing, you know, driving down and seeing the board up storefronts and you know, wanted to be part of the change, a part of helping making it better and bringing it back to what it used to be. And you know, at least helping to revitalize it, get people back in town, get people moving around. Um, you, you see so many small towns out there that were bustling at one point and then, you know, whether industry or factory or something leave, you know, people tend to leave the area and you just have blank infrastructure and it's you know it's sad to see these new buildings and new shopping centers being built everywhere we've got these like great little cool towns that are everywhere in the u.s that mm -hmm. people just walked away from um and you know the, the character and the downtown of Jeanette is just 
amazing. Um, and, you know, I want to share that with other people and have it there for the future. So it doesn't you know, get knocked down someday and turn into a shopping mall or something. So, well, even those aren't doing too well. Either, but... <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of those vacant these days as well. Um, is there something about like the, you know, the citizens of Jeanette, you know, it's a very wholesome sort of American hometown, you know, a, a, a cafe opens, you know, I've looked on the, on the internet, it's a beautiful cafe um, and it's veteran owned. Is that something that they come in and it seems like there's a pride in from the community as well? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, we, we've had a great backing from the veteran community in Jeanette and we were able to you know, work with the, the town um, to you know, establish a veteran-only parking spot in front of our place. That way, mm-hmm. you know, people know they have a place to go, and, and they're welcome there. And I think the the veteran community really rallies around other veterans to support them. Um, you know, it's just it's it's good for camaraderie. It's, it's it's good in a small town like Jeanette. There's a lot of veterans down there. You know, being it was a, a working working man's town, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when industry kind of dried up, you know, those those folks are still there, and you know, people don't want to leave their hometowns. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to get back there someday if I could. Okay, so why a cafe? Why not a bowling alley or a you know pool hall? Great question. Um, so the the property that we brought was a a restaurant cafe in the past. Um, so the infrastructure was already there, set up. It was pretty pretty turnkey for us. Um, and you know they used to do a whole bunch of food and different products, and you know we just had to kind of keep it simple and just go with you know coffee and, and pastries, baked goods, just you know keep it easy, but also still have the ability there. Um, to support the community, uh, and with that, we do have you know the the spaces in the back where we're trying to set up some some training classes, some education, and just have the spaces for veterans to go. If there's different you know organizations that need a space to have a meeting, you know we can provide that for them as well in the community, and and we got good coffee. Well, of course, where where do you get you your coffee that for from? A meeting. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. the only thing you usually need for a meeting, but <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so our coffee comes from Cleona Coffee Roasters. It's a, a Army veteran. Uh, he started roasting his own coffee, connected with them uh, via Facebook, and we started talking. And um, you know, we get all of our, our coffee from him. And same thing with our teas. It comes from an Air Force veteran as well, too. And she's also in Pennsylvania. Um, does a great job with the product. They both take pride in what they put out. Um, so it was, a, it was a no-brainer to bring them both in and, and you know, get the products from those guys. Where do you get the tea from? Uh, it's called Skirted Soldier. Uh, it's out of Portage, Pennsylvania. Okay. And you mentioned also cookies. You get those from veteran-owned businesses, is that right? Correct. Yeah, it's called Operation Cookie. It's uh, out of like Periopolis near the Pittsburgh airport area. Um, so they do mostly mail order uh, cookies for veterans or, or for military deployed overseas. Um, and we connected with those guys as well, too. And just you know, want to support you know, what they're doing and you know, really kind of I guess, put our money where our mouth is. So if we're going to help veterans, we're going to buy products from them and, and sell them for the, the community. Well, if there's anything I like more than coffee, it's cookies. So I'm going to be checking out Operation Cookie, certainly. Oh, um, it's delicious. Can't go wrong. <laughs> now, you also, incoming from a really uh, strong military family, uh, are they also veteran business owners? Or is that something that only you sort of like took that that ball and ran with? Yeah, so I think I'm the the first one to actually start my own business within the family. And I've got some other cousins and stuff out there that that have some businesses as well. But um, I think the the first one out of our our small small family out of Jeanette there. Nice. And what and we've talked a bit about like what you've learned through your time in the Marine Corps, you know, time uh, being active duty. But what's different about uh, learning to own a business? Um, there's a lot. Um, so. It's it's not just about you know kind of waking up and doing one thing. It's really kind of learning how to manage different 
people, manage different processes, manage the, you know, the overall, um, I guess, environment around you as well too. So it can be challenging at times. As I mentioned, the head trash, you get in there, so you're like, why am I doing this? Why am I dealing with these different personalities, these different challenges and, you know, trying to, you know, find suppliers, find vendors. Um, and, you know, you just kind of got to work through the head trash and, and keep it up. But um, yeah, it's just what drives me, just knowing what we're doing, you know, one, for the veteran community in the VA hospitals, and also, you know, for the, the local community in Jeanette. So what gets you up in the morning? It does. Yeah. You know, Jeremy, it's interesting because sometimes I'll, I'll schedule a scuttlebutt and, you know, I love doing this podcast. And sometimes I'm like, hmm, I wonder what the, the theme or the title of this episode will be. And it doesn't sometimes come to me until I'm actually within the conversation. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about like, people are going to be listening to this, not only, you know, through podcasts, maybe watch it on YouTube. They might hear it on Reads Across America radio. So I start to think about, okay, well, if I were a veteran who'd be wanting to open a business, what tips would I want from a successful business owner such as yourself? So I thought, you know what? Jeremy, why don't, why don't we just call this episode, you know, do you, should I open a veteran-owned business? And here's your TED Talk. Uh, anybody that's looking to open a veteran-owned business, you know, what are the, what are lessons learned that maybe someone can sort of glean from this episode? Yeah. So main lesson that I learned and I still live by every day is it's, it's one day at a time. You don't ever get ahead of yourself. Try to think about the next big thing. Just focus on today's problems, get through it. You obviously keep the end in mind uh, as you're working through things, but you know it, it's it's one day at a time. We used to say in the, in boot camp, you know, meal to meal or chow to chow, and and uh, wake up call to wake up call. That's how you got to kind of live in the business world as well. And you got to have support. How do you find the people that are going to help to support this idea? <clears throat> yeah, and the support system is huge within a, a veteran or in any business. Uh, you, know, you need to have some mentors, some resources out there that you know you can trust and, and rely on that can kind of give you some guidance. You know, I think you know, building a business is there, there's no one right path to do it, but there is you know kind of a, a framework out there for you can that you can follow to be successful. And I think being able to link up with those people that have been there, done it, is helpful and helps you kind of avoid some of the pitfalls of uh, you know, running your own business and, and doing things you've never done before. I mean, I, I learn something new every day and that's uh, you know, kind of how I live my life. If I, if I don't learn something new and I'm not doing something right in the day. And, you, and I'm saying support from family as well. You know, what, what does your family uh, help to support you in this endeavor? Yeah, absolutely. So family has been huge, you know, especially at the, the coffee shop or modeling. I'm not local in the community right now. So, um, you know, my family's been down there on the day to day kind of running the renovations, making sure we're up and running. And then, you know, my sister's running the coffee shop on a daily basis. So she's down there every day and making sure that the, uh, the coffee's hot and the customers are happy. Why did you name it Glass City Cafe? So Jeanette's nickname, uh, they used to have a bunch of glass factories in the town and it was kind of deemed the, the glass city. Um, so we just kind of kept that uh, name and, and made it a cafe. Well, that's easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of thought went into that one. It was pretty easy. <laughs> um, and, you know, this, uh, how can people support the cafe other than just, you know, buying coffee? Can they purchase it online or is that something that, you know, might be something in the future? Is there merchandise is, you know? other than yeah, just visiting uh, Jeanette. Absolutely. I mean, definitely visiting Jeanette is key. Um, come in the coffee shop, come visit the other shops that are in there and getting up and running. Um, you know, we don't have the, the online just yet. We're, we're working on that, you know, but you know, really the main thing is just coming into town, you know, grabbing a cup of coffee, walking down the street, looking at some of the other restaurants and businesses are there and just some more supporting the community in general. 
I'm looking up a, a, a map here of Jeanette. She says, I know it, it's weird in Pittsburgh. Oh, that's actually, that's quite close because I live in uh, sort of Mount Lebanon area, which is south of the city. Um, anybody that's listening here, maybe nationwide, maybe hasn't been to Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh is filled, filled with neighborhoods. That's pretty much all it is. You get a little downtown area that's probably like five to 10 miles-ish. You can walk it in a day um, or less than, probably an hour. And then you have a ton of little neighborhoods all around. And half the most of the time when someone says a place like Jeanette or West Mifflin or Westmoreland or, you know, Monroeville, all these things, it's like, which way is that? Is that, you know, and someone says, oh, yeah, Jeanette's like, you know, south, southeast of the city, you know, about 40 minutes. You're like, oh, okay, I'll go past Kennywood and just keep going. And, you know, that's sort of how we, you know, here in Pittsburgh figure out where we're at on a map. Um, Jeanette's very close. You could probably be there from the airport if you're going to fly in and check out Glass City Cafe. You're flying in, you have about, what, two hours to spare, drive over to Jeanette and head over to Glass City Cafe for your your cafe or your coffee and, and cookie um, yeah. to help support this. Um, Jeremy, it, 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 it's fascinating, really, I, I think, just to, to hear sort of the, the way that you've sort of developed through your service and into this business ownership and, and just the success that you've seen and you've had and the passion that you have for helping veterans. Um, and, and maybe one of the final questions I have for you is, is that, that sort of passion for helping veterans? Where did, it, it obviously stems from some bit of service and the family service that you've had, um, but not all veterans will will choose that route out of their service. What, what made you say, this is kind of my life's work? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it just stems from, you know, being in the community, helping, wanting to support, um, and like I said, I was mostly on the reserve side, so I didn't spend a lot of time overseas, but you know, a lot of my friends have, a lot of my family have, and you know, want to be able to give back and you know, share the, the culture, the experience, um, and, you know, working through some of these entrepreneurial groups, seeing the opportunity out there to really do something different. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the groups kind of do the same thing. It's, you know, the fundraising or, you know, the educational courses of it, but, you know, really just having a place, a space for, for veterans and others to come and visit and experience the, the culture. So we get a lot of um, you know, veterans that come in the coffee shop and, and hang out and it's cool to have them in there telling stories and talking about it because I think there's really value in sharing the story, especially for the future generation. You know, as I'm getting older, I'm kind of looking back on things and looking at, you know, the, the younger generation here and, you know, it, it's not the same time. So a lot of the younger folks haven't grown up and you know, aren't going to serve or haven't served in the military. So just to share those experiences, cultures, and let people know, you know, the history of, you know, not only the military, but you know, the country, the town, you know, you know, what Jeanette used to be and you know, what it could be, you know, hopefully that, you know, people listen to this and it sparks ideas and sparks innovation. And they, you know, try to take some of those experiences and, and look forward because, you know, as a country, we've, we've come a long way. Um, and I think as, as technology increases, we kind of lose some of that, the, the root of, you know, how we got here because things move so quickly these days and people mm -hmm. don't realize the, the time period it took to get here and the commitments and sacrifices that people made. So you know, I think it's important to have, you know, a place that's just casual. People can come and talk through, share stories, share experiences and, you know, carry the culture forward. Oh, you hit the nail on the head with what BBC is. As you can see, uh, anybody might be listening. Uh, I have a big poster for VBC Veterans Breakfast Club behind me. It says, Stories Unite is one of our taglines is every veteran has a story. So what you're saying is, is people sharing stories. And um, that has to mean something to you. Anybody who owns a cafe has to believe in some level of sharing stories, because what's better thing to do over coffee is to share stories. And, you know, veterans are pretty much experts at that. Great storytellers. That is for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, in, in that same vein, 
Can you give me your favorite memory from your Marine Corps days? Oh, wow. Um, I guess I have to keep this PG. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've, I've got, got tons of great memories. I guess, you know, some of the ones that stick out the most are, are just the, you know, nothing specific, but just the, the times that, you know, we've been able to hang out together. I know we'll, we'll, working long days, you know, doing different things and you're just complaining and yelling and mad about what you're doing at the time. Um, but, you know, the, the experience afterwards when you probably kind of the after briefing where you're talking through and, you know, just hanging out, the camaraderie of being in the military and being with your friends and you're knowing that that person beside you is, you know, willing to, you know, put their life on the line for you if you're ever in a situation um, is, uh, you know, it's, it's a totally different feeling. It's something you don't get in the civilian world, you know, mm -hmm. being in college and having friends it's, it's a different level of, of respect and, and friendship that you, you make in the military. And I think overall, that's my biggest takeaway. You know, a lot of the folks I went to boot camp with and serve with, still friends with, still, still check in, still got the, the fishing trips we go on and, you know, try to, try to keep that, um, that, that alive. Now, I'm also interested as a civilian when I hear of a veteran who sort of jumped branches. Now, I know it's once a Marine, always a Marine. And I would say that I would guess that you would probably hold your Marine Corps values maybe a little, little bit higher than the Navy. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, you're putting a spot on this one. Um, yeah, no, 100%. Yes, once a Marine, always a Marine. Um, I know some of my, uh, my Marine friends give me a little bit of grief about that because I think I've technically been in the Navy a little bit longer. Um, <laughs> but what 100%, yeah, once you go through the, the Marine Corps training, uh, the boot camp and all that, um, fun stuff that you, you deal with as a Marine. Uh, it's hard to give that up, um, but you know, the Navy does definitely have a different perspective. So, and the nice thing about it is the, uh, the Marine Corps still branch of the Navy. So it's kind of one, one big family. Do you have any kids? I do. We have two little girls. We've got a five-year-old and a four-year-old. So they keep me pretty, pretty busy. Oh, I, I hear you. I have a, a three-year-old and a two-month-old. Um, but oh, say they come to you, they come to you and they say, dad, I want to, I want to become a Marine. You know, what, what's your advice for them? <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's a long, long, long time off of that question here, but um, no, You're not I going to say, I well, I'd say go air force or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely would support whatever they want to do in life. Um, you know, my, my family supported me when I did it, even though there was a little bit of pushback at first, because they're like, why the Marines? You know, you're, you're in college, you're smart, do, do something else. And it's not about that. It's about you know, the commitment and what you want to do in, in life. And, you know, I would say the same thing to them. If you want to do the Marines, do the Marines. That was a good experience for me. Um, you know, not everyone has the same experience in their, their branches, but, you know, I think the camaraderie in the Marine Corps is much tighter than any other branch out there, probably because they're smaller. Um, but you know, it, it, it's out there. So I wouldn't discourage them. I, I might try to push them towards Navy or something. It's a little, little different, but <laughs> hey, the Marine Corps changing these days as well too. So, you know, not everyone's running around in the dirt all day. True. Well, Jeremy, I want to thank you so much for joining the scuttlebutt today and for telling us about Glass City Cafe and giving us a, a hint of what it's like to be a, a veteran business owner. Um, I'm sure that anybody listening in, uh, if they are uh, interested in this, uh, hopefully they see you around, uh, Jeanette, maybe at some time. 
um, can can chew your ear for a bit. Um, but otherwise, you know, it, it's a pleasure. And to our audience, uh, please like, share, and subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. You can always reach out to me, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at veteransbreakfastclub.org with any questions or thoughts, comments about this episode, or ideas for future episodes. I'm always open to that. Um, but Jeremy, I, I hope to get down to Jeanette at some point soon, because I'd love to check out Glass City Cafe and, uh, and take in a coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever you're in the area, stop by. I'd love to have you and have you check out Jeanette. And I always promote, I'm a big, avid chess player. You have to have a chess night. That'll bring veterans in, I think. <laughs> we'll, we'll fire it up. We'll put it on the list. Sounds good. Thank you so much. And awesome. uh, we'll hope to see you in another episode. I appreciate it, Sean. Thank you for the time. Thank you. Thank you for watching this episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Tobacco Free Adagio Health. Uh, Tobacco Free Adagio Health has been supporting the podcast for quite some time now. We've been so pleased to be uh, supported by them. They are dedicated to reducing and preventing tobacco use and getting the word out about the hazards of smoking and secondhand smoke. They're all about health, so they want people to quit. Uh, they have classes, nicotine replacement therapy, and a popular quit line, 1-800-QUIT-NOW. They also educate people, children especially, about tobacco use from cigarettes, cigars, pipes, chew, snuff, and other nicotine products like vaping. And finally, Tobacco Free Adagio Health advocates for public and private policies that ensure healthy places to live, work, and play. You can learn all about what Tobacco Free Adagio Health offers at tobaccofree.adagiohealth.org. Or you can check out the two Scuttlebutt episodes that featured tobacco-free Adagio Health. We had a wonderful representative come on to the podcast, talk to us about all the classes and therapies that they offer. Uh, it was one, two wonderful conversations. So I definitely direct you to both of those if you want more information or just call their free quit line, 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Thank you again, Tobacco-Free Adagio Health for your support.